Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It is time now for Mind Your Business. Uh, here's something we can all relate to, right? I mean, through our busiest work schedules to your laziest weekend, or even perhaps during the lockdown, food delivery service. It's a constant. It's always there for you. Our next guest is a food lover and has always been on the hunt for the best local flavors from street vendors and eateries in every city he visits. But when on-demand food delivery in Shanghai corporate district failed to meet that objective his entrepreneur skills kicked in and he came up with a solution he left his cfo job and started living menu which is a local food delivery platform that offers consumers affordable and top-rated food from hawkers and independent eateries across the island to tell us more about his experience with food delivery services in various cities is rafael khan who is founder and ceo of living menu rafael good morning how are you man Good morning. It's good to be here. Perfect day to talk about Food Friday. Let's talk about Living Menu to start off. You guys are a Singapore-based food tech startup. You focus on building food delivery 3.0. What does that entail? What do you mean when you say food delivery 3.0? Sure. Yeah, I think we can start with you know the inspiration behind Living Menu. A few years ago, I was based in Shanghai, and being a foodie myself, I naturally wanted to travel around the city. To explore the authentic Chinese flavors, but I couldn't do so because I was just too busy with work. Instead, I would use food delivery almost every day. But very quickly, I realized many of those popular independent eateries that have been around for a long time do not work with on-demand platforms. So I was determined to find out the root cause and come up with a food delivery model that works for these smaller independent vendors that serve the most amazing local flavors and represent so much of our food culture. Okay, so if we were to break it down a little bit more and talk about your business model, I mean, do you have a fleet of, of drivers? How, how do you make profit here? Yeah, I mean, we do have our fill-up drivers. Uh, we have a few full-time drivers and we have a pool of freelance drivers that we work with. But obviously, I think to look at the difference between living menu and other on-demand platforms, I think we can look at it from two different angles. First of all, from the customer's point of view, then we can move on to the vendor's point of view. I think as a customer, you get to plan your meals ahead and order in advance from a daily evolving menu that gives you vendors from different parts of Singapore. So that's one of our unique propositions, obviously. So you no longer have to think of what to eat at the last minute and select from only the choices available in your area. We remove that decision dilemma that eats up your time every day and provide you with the highest rate of vendors, food stalls, and independent eateries in different parts of Singapore that you usually don't get a chance to have. Mm. it's obviously more affordable because you're not paying the real estate premium of those shopping mall restaurants. It's even better if you're ordering for a family or colleagues because you can mix and match from up to eight different vendors for a single delivery. And we charge only a flat delivery fee of up to three ninety five. So what that means is that you can get your chicken rice, your wife can get your, her laksa, and your daughter can get her bubble tea. Right. All that for a single flat fee. So if we move on and talk about, you know, the vendor's point of view, one of the big reasons why many of these popular hawkers refuse to work with on-demand platforms is that it affects their ability to serve the walk-ins, which is their bread and butter. Mm. And we need to know that hawkers are typically a one or two-man team. They have limited capacity, especially during their peak hours when the popular ones usually have long queues. So it's difficult for them to serve on-demand delivery orders without hurting their service standard or productivity. Our model, the living menu model, on the other hand, 
focuses on making our vendor partners more efficient, we pre-order with the hawkers one day in advance, so they don't have to forecast. There's no food wastage, and their profit margin is higher. And since we only post one signature dish from each hawker on the menu, they get to maximize their productivity by preparing just one standardized dish item in bulk. The meals of them picked up one hour before the pick hours, so they get to create value with their unused life spare capacity. In a nutshell, what makes Living Menu stand out is that our delivery model is a win-win for both the consumers and the vendors. So to be more specific, the way we make a profit is by making our vendors more efficient, and that efficiency enables us to charge them a sustainable commission. So that's, I think, the biggest difference between us and the optimal model. Mm. And we're also living in a world where people like to pre-plan their meals. I mean, why spend so much time thinking about what you can eat, right? What you're going to eat when you've already sorted that out for the week. You were a CFO for a corporate retail company. Just hearing the way you speak, I, I, I like that, that entrepreneurial spirit that you have. What made you decide to jump and become an entrepreneur? I think I've always been an entrepreneur in my life. You know, even fresh out of college, you know, I started my own investment management company before taking on that challenge in Shanghai you know, to try to learn from the market. I think being an entrepreneur is all about giving yourself the opportunity in the front line to understand you know, what, what are the real-world problems that we're witnessing and how we can solve that. It, it just gives you that front seat where you cannot get that anywhere else you know when i was investment manager it's almost like taking a back seat and, and it was it was more like it just you know looking at these these reports you know reading news but i think being an entrepreneur it gives an extra room an extra edge for you to actually try something to do this experiment to, to, to learn from it and so that's what excites me yeah it's that fire right we tend to be a bit restless <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about your experiences in shanghai your experiences especially with the food delivery landscape there what are some of the differences you see between Shanghai and Singapore? Well, I think, you know, I, I was there in 2017. Obviously, okay. things have changed a lot over the last few years. You know, food deliveries, especially in China, there's always new ideas and, and all that. But again, I think one of the biggest, I would say, I mean, different in terms of difference, I think in China, food delivery is obviously a bit more affordable because uh, China is a big country. Um, there's many tiers of cities. So the on-demand platforms can afford to hire people from the third tier or even the fourth tier, fifth tier cities to move into the first tier city and their salary is not going to be super high. So that was sort of how they were able over the last five years to make that unique economics work. But in Singapore, for example, we don't have that. So uh, food delivery is, is obviously more expensive because we have to rely on local Singaporeans, you know, helping other Singaporeans to get their food to provide that convenience. So, so I think that's one thing that's different. But I think we can also look at what are the common problems, you know, compared to these two countries. I think it's clear that, like I mentioned earlier, the smaller hawkers or food stalls or independent eateries, if you like, they face a similar challenge. You know, with on-demand food deliveries, it's always about getting the order. If you're a hawker and you're one or two main team and you're getting the order at the time where you typically have a line, Mm-hmm. And when you have a line in front of you and it gets really painful, you have to pay like a 30, 35% commission to the platforms and also hurting your ability to serve your walked in. So that mm-hmm. was one of the biggest reasons why we don't see a lot of these hawkers or food stalls joining the food platforms. And that is the exact problem that we're trying to solve. 
if you don't mind me straying away from Hawkers just a little bit, just just a tiny bit, and to talk about these other bigger restaurants, do you see a potential that these restaurants could face the same problem? Because I've personally noticed there's a lack of staff. I mean, I think it's been reported even in, in news outlets. And if you are a regular on these delivery platforms, you would have noticed that the waiting time is getting even longer and longer. The delivery time is longer yep. and longer. Where do you see this going? It's definitely a problem here in Singapore, especially. Uh, we have a manpower crunch everywhere, especially the FMB. So what Living Ming is trying to do is that if we can make these restaurants, you know, whether you're talking about hawkers, food store or restaurants, right, they need to be more efficient. And if they are more efficient, what that means is that they can extract extra profit. And with extra profit, then they can potentially go a little bit higher with the salary they are paying. Because okay. one of the biggest problems here is that we hear a lot of people talking about uh, people offering 3000 3005 for Singaporeans, and Singaporeans refuse to work for these F&B platforms. And, and, and it's hard to get foreign workers to come in because of the you know, work pass you know, uh, restriction and all that stuff. But I think the way we try to tackle this problem is that if we can make these restaurants, these F&B vendors more efficient, then first of all, they can serve more customers using existing manpower. And also with additional efficiency, additional profit, then they can use this money to hire more Singaporeans and potentially pay them a little bit higher and still make the same amount, even more profit. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the experience on living menu. First, and going back to this delivery time issue, right? About an hour and a half delivery time. What's more important here? Looking to improve this delivery time or, or pushing the agenda, pushing the culture that you plan your meals ahead of time. Right. So if I've planned it ahead of time, then I don't need to, it's not so last minute, I don't need to worry about a 90 minute waiting time. Yeah, I think the difference is that, you know, even though it sounds like a big range, right? Mm. We do deliver mm. within that 90 minute range, but okay. we have a fantastic punctuality record. You know, our punctuality mm. record is 99.5% or higher. And so what happened is that you, you make an order one week in advance or one day in advance. And it's almost guaranteed that you will receive that your meal within that window, which is really your lunch hour or dinner hours, right? Exactly. We, most of us eat during that period. Whereas if you're trying to go with, you know, something that gives you a, a 10 minute or 30 minute, you know, these days there's a lot of other companies that, that try to talk, do these 10, 15 minute kind of delivery. It, it, it's hard to sustain that because you need a lot of manpower. There's a lot of inefficiency that's triggered by such model. And, at the end of the day, even as a consumer, if it's raining and you make a last-minute order, it can delay you for one hour. You could be eating your meal potentially one hour past the lunch hour because they couldn't get drivers. They couldn't get yeah, riders to yeah. deliver that food to you. But whereas for us is that we deliver between 11.30 to 1 p.m. And that's the time. And 99.5% of the time, we will deliver your meal between that, that window. And because we have a group optimized, you know, multi-drop kind of logistic system. So let's say you tend to be at the fifth stop of our route and you'll probably be getting it at about 12 o'clock, you know, for most of the day. So that actually allow you to sort of forecast, okay, you know what? Every day I know that my meal is going to arrive at about 12 o'clock or 12.30 plus minus 10 minutes or so. And we have a lot of data proving that people actually like that. People like that reliability um, for them to have their meal at that window at that time rather than, you know, having to go through that dilemma of 
choosing what to eat at the last minute and yeah. only to realize that sometimes you have to pay a surcharge because it's raining, there's not enough driver doing those big hours. <laughs> Moving forward, Raphael, I want to talk about uh, future plans for Living Menu. What's on the cards? Are you looking at expanding, getting more hawkers on board? It's different. We do want to get more hawkers on board, but for us, it's more about quality rather sure. than quantity. And I think we have to look at you know the evolution of food delivery and we need to, you know, this is a very competitive market and you need to choose a path that you can do well. So again, if we look at history, it's clear that mobile apps have transformed food delivery over the past 10 years, right? It has given consumers a lot more options. It brought us a lot of confidence. But if we look at it from the vendor's point of view, it, it paints a different picture. It's mostly because on-demand food delivery companies have been focusing on the logistics side of the business. They're competing against each other for the most freelance writers and they want to deliver everything possible for you, whether it's grocery or any other goods. For Living Menu, we have a completely different DNA. We want to create an ecosystem that empowers greater efficiencies in hawkers, food stalls, and independent eateries to help them stay relevant and competitive. And that's how we can build a sustainable model to advance the food service industry and create social impacts, you know, starting from Singapore. And we obviously would be expanding overseas, starting with Malaysia and other parts of the region. Wow, that's going to be quite fantastic. We wish you the best of luck. been speaking with Raphael Khan, founder and CEO of Living Menu. Raphael, thanks for your time. Take care and have a great weekend in advance, yeah? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.